Thank you for tuning in to the LGBTQ Plus News and Chat Podcast. Download the Anchor.fm app to leave a message about the show or request to be a guest to share your story. Hi, everybody. Today's guest is Beth O'Connor, and we are going to be talking about LGBTQ issues in rural America. Welcome, Beth. Hello. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming on. Um, So, tell me a little bit about your background. So I am the executive director of the Virginia Rural Health Association, which is a nonprofit advocacy organization working to improve health and health care in rural Virginia. Okay. So what's the big issue between rural America or rural Virginia um, versus the cities? So are you talking in general or specific to LGBTQ issues? Specific to LGBTQ issues. So, you know, as we know, rural America, and we've certainly seen a lot of this play out in our political issues, is tends to be more conservative, more insular, uh, more... It's a little bit cut off from the rest of the world. And how that plays out for our LGBTQ folks is that by being more conservative, uh, more sometimes conservatively religiously based, there tends to be greater levels of stigma for our, our folk, folks in that community. And so you know, that plays out in, you know, there's stigma and then there is rural stigma. And it's just a whole new level of, you know, how do you navigate the world um, that may be unfriendly to you when everybody knows everybody because it's a small town. Right. Um, another issue is, I guess, um, more money goes towards the cities versus the rural areas. Oh, absolutely. Our rural areas are, are very underfunded, um, even in comparison to the population. The, the higher dollars go to the higher population centers, even if it's not a, a per capita match. Um, and we very much see this play out in our healthcare fields in terms of the number of hospitals and clinicians and physicians and nurses and specialists that are available to your population. Right. Now, I know there in Virginia... Um I've had um, a couple of uh, LGBTQ people that um, have gotten elected in rural areas, and that was really shocking. Yes, we are very proud of Danica Ram. And um, that um, is a shifting in Virginia, um, and I know Virginia is you know, being born in Virginia, that's a big deal. Um, especially, you know, because the cities have always been um, like the Democratic strongholds. And rural, rural Virginia was always the staunch conservative areas. And it seems to be shifting uh, politically um, within Virginia and not only in Virginia, but all across the country in the rural areas, it's starting to shift. 
Yeah. And interestingly enough, in rural Virginia, that also ties into access to health care. Uh, we had a big argument over whether or not Virginia would expand Medicaid. And because the Democrats were willing to do that and the Republicans weren't, more Democrats got voted in. Right. Um, so how do we um, address the the differences between rural and, and the urban? Well, in terms of healthcare, one of the things that the Virginia Rural Health Association is trying to do is to make sure our rural hospitals and clinics and providers are educated in, in ways to work with their clientele in, within the LGBTQ community. Uh, we're in the process of trying to identify funding for staff training to make sure that hospitals and clinics can be a welcoming place that's safe for everybody to go into, um, holding some community conversations to have give people an opportunity to share their concerns and address those concerns. Okay, it is um, PFLAG taking a big part in that there? We're certainly collaborating with them and, and some other organizations uh, within Virginia. There's a group called Kaleidoscope um, that's in the South Central area. There's a few other groups and some of our even churches and mental health providers that want to be in on this. Okay. Uh, what about the transgender support groups? Yeah, that's one of the things we don't reach out to them much yet, but we've just started this process, so they're certainly you know within the realm of what we want to do. Okay, well I can um, offline I can uh, point you to one that's well it's is actually in the city of Richmond, but they have a lot of uh, rural members, uh, so I can that point would be you point you towards connecting with them. Yeah, that would be very much appreciated. Another group that we've been working a lot with is a group called Queer Appalachia, uh, okay. which is not statewide, uh, but when you think about Virginia, the Appalachian counties are most of our rural communities. Right. Um, so, we've addressed a couple of things, um, and the political is, the, I guess, the biggest issue. Um, and getting these staunch conservatives out of out of office that just want to block everything, <laughs> uh, getting them out is 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 key. Um, religion is another big issue, which you brought up. Um, and especially like rural Virginia, that's a uh, very staunch uh, Southern Baptist area. Home of Jerry Falwell. <laughs> um, so, it, you know, you know, like I said, I brought I was brought up in Virginia, and I know that a lot of. Um, the churches, even in the Richmond area, started shifting, um, I guess about 20 years ago, uh, slowly. Um, you know, you had, had your, you know, straight uh, 
churches and then you had your LGBTQ churches and um, it seemed like they started, the LGBTQ people started merging into the, the conservative churches and um, uh, one thing I didn't like was um, some conservative people merging into the LGBTQ churches. Um, and um, not that many, but there was. Um, but there seemed to be a, uh, an enlargement of the LGBTQ friendly churches. Um, but it the Southern Baptist, staunch Southern Baptists were, uh, nope, not in our backyard. <laughs> yeah, and we certainly see a lot of that. But, you know, it is shifting, and I think we see that um, in Virginia and in the nation and the world as we watch the uh, United Methodist Church issues play out with them trying to decide how, if they're going to split up specifically over this issue. Um, I can tell you that, you know, churches in our community are not going to stand um, rejecting the people that they love, that they're their friends, their family. Um, and the, I, I know of a church in town, there's rainbow flowers in their front yard and rainbow stickers in their windows and rainbow mugs um, in their fellowship area. And they're not going to stand for it. And I think, you know, as more people are willing to recognize their own loved ones, they recognize that those loved ones need to be welcome everywhere. Right. Um, one, one big issue that has uh, plagued the LGBTQ people is um, the staunch religious people um, kicking their children out of the house. Yep. And we see that in homelessness of, of young adults and, and kids. And that's a big issue. And it's not just youth and, or young adults, but um, elderly or even middle-aged people are having the same issue. Um, a Associate of mine online, uh, Kimberly Shackley in Texas, um, is one person that I could say that, you know, she was in the starch religious church and, you know, they basically said that, well, you either choose us or your transgender child and she chose her child. Which, oh, good for her. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, she's not the only one there there are several that have done that and you know my child comes before the church so uh -huh. and i think that's going to be the the major issue um with some of these people is like are you going to choose your child over your religion are you going to choose your child over your political affiliation you know or are you going to choose those those and kick your child out? Oh, absolutely. And you know, 
think we've seen some of that play out in the nationwide, the decreasing numbers of church membership. Uh, there are many of the more staunch conservative churches that their numbers are falling like a rock. Um, and I think that, you know, the LGBTQ issues, racism, xenophobia, I think those are a big part of that shift. Right. Um, I come up from, you know, my mom is still Southern Baptist. Um, my father is Episcopalian. Um, and I went through a history of my family, and a lot of my family were Quakers. Um, and there's still some that are Quakers, but they're Reformed Quakers or liberal Quakers. Yep. And they're very accepting. Um, with Quakers, it's, it's more spirituality versus the um, staunch religious, uh, you know. <laughs> I, th I think Ugg is a good descriptor of that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so where do we go? How do we go forward? Well, you know, one of the things that we've been able to kind of bring to light is people t tend to have this stereotype that either there aren't any LGBTQ people in rural communities or the ones that are there are trying to get out and go to big cities as fast as possible. Uh, but several studies have done recently saying that no, that there is still a decent population of people in those rural communities and they live there because of the same reasons other people live there. They choose those communities because they want to live where they grow up. They want to be part of that community. They want to be close to their family. They want to be involved in their local churches that they grew up in. Right. And making sure that those people have the support they need to, you know, again, looking at this from a healthcare standpoint, making sure that, you know, they can have honest conversations with their healthcare providers, making sure that their healthcare providers have the education that they need to properly work with LGBTQ people, whether that's just, you know, addressing the need to change their intake forms to make sure that there aren't assumptions made in just those basic questions you ask. Right. Um, you know, I, I think you had, uh, well, you have your Blue Ridge Pride, uh, which is different from the statewide Pride, which is held in Richmond. Um, then you got your your Hampton Roads Pride. Yeah, um, there's a Farmville Pride. Ooh, Farmville yep, we're Pride. working with them, and um, there's one in Stanton, too. All right. Um, didn't they have one in um, Salem, Virginia? Uh, if there is one, I haven't connected with them yet. Okay. Um, I'll have to contact a couple of people because there's some people I talked to in Southwest Virginia and, and stuff. So, um, and they're in the Salem area. So, great. <laughs> Um, healthcare is 
I think we need to include mental health in that issue. Um, Absolutely. Um, because with the LGBTQ plus people, um, suicide is very high. Yes, it is. And um, Depression, self-harm. And that's because of all the other factors that are coming into to play. And we really need to reach out to these people and say, you're not crazy. You know, this is who you are. And it's the one, the other ones that are crazy. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, and we're, you know, in terms of that, you know, we're looking at this as a, a very global issue. You know, there's, the health care in terms of what doctors and hospitals do, but also there's just the health, the, the mental health, the sense of well-being in terms of knowing that you're not going to be discriminated at your place of work, knowing you're not going to face discrimination in finding housing, those bigger health issues. Right. And I noticed Virginia is trying to lean more towards um, – what I'm I'm reading and stuff and hearing is they're leaning towards a non-discrimination bill. There is legislation currently in front of the General Assembly, which hopefully will be passed in this next couple months. Woohoo! That would be great. Um, I know one big issue in Virginia has always been the um, birth certificate for transgender people. Um, and I think it was the last legislative session that they got um, some changes made, um, albeit that it was not as much as they wanted to, but uh, it made it easier to change the gender on the birth certificate. Uh, we'll take baby steps one at a time if we have to. Oh, yeah. We'll take every little baby step we can take. Um, See, with me, you know, being born in Virginia, um, now I have a, an easier process to change the gender on my birth certificate. Um, Good. So I can go back. Um, I'm still working on uh, the, the money to come up with to cover the fees and everything, but that's okay. Um, all right. Uh, whew, we've covered a lot of ground here <laughs> in a short period of time. Um, so, in your own words, what do we need to do next? So a personal plug, everybody cross your fingers that we get more funding from the federal government to address this issue. I'm all excited about that. We should have a, a grant coming in at the, in June. Very, very, very cool. Um, but in, in terms of we and, and the, the big we in terms of what, what can individuals do, um, you know, this whole thing came about for the Virginia Rural Health Association um, last spring where we had a, a board meeting and talking about, you know, what else can VHA do for the people of rural Virginia. Um, and one of my board members said, you know, if we're, say, we're going to serve the people of rural Virginia, we need to serve all of the people of rural Virginia. 
And I think for people recognizing that everyone is part of your community, you know, no, no matter what their status, whether that's LGBTQ, whether that's immigrant, whether that's minority, whatever, everyone contributes to the health of the community. So making sure that people are part of those conversations and policies and whichever else. Okay. Well, good luck on this, this federal grant. Um, hopefully, uh, it'll go through without uh, Trump noticing. Oh, mercy. <laughs> um, Fortunately, he doesn't get final say in what we do. Uh, he well, just approves the big picture stuff. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and hopefully he'll get impeached completely before anything. As long as that doesn't give us pants. Uh, well, it probably will, but um, <laughs> if people were paying attention, um, he was, Pence was out at two. So. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Um, so, Virginia needs to stay blue. We need more states to go blue. Um I will officially say as a nonprofit directive, I am not politically uh, affiliated. That's okay. Disclaimer, I'm nonpartisan. Okay. <laughs> officially. Officially. Um, so, after you get the funding, um, what steps will be taken to get the money to the, the different communities. So what we're going to be doing is we're working uh, with a group in Danville um, that I mentioned earlier that does a lot of this, this type of work. And they'll be helping us arrange trainings um, for hospitals and clinics. One, to review their policies and make sure that all of their policies are inclusive. Um, again, talking about things like, you know, making sure in, intake forms um, don't have, you know, that are, are gender inclusive and are, you know, make sure you're not discriminating in terms of, you know, how do you have listed for, you know, who's your spouse or who's your whatever else. Because those are, you know, just little things um, that people don't tend to notice unless they're looking for them, but can make a big difference. Um, and then also talking to our healthcare providers about, you know, how do you address common issues uh, with your patients when you don't know and you don't want to make assumptions. And so there, there's a very interesting story um, that we've been bringing forward. There was a woman um, who went to her healthcare provider and healthcare provider, you know, just going through some basic questions saying, you know, are you sexually active? Yes. Are you using birth control? No. Are you trying to get pregnant? No. <laughs> and the healthcare provider is thinking this woman is an idiot because she's sexually active, she's not using birth control, but she's not trying to get pregnant. And the woman finally had to spell it out. My spouse is another woman. <laughs> yeah, it's like, think, people. Don't right. make those kind of gender stereotype assumptions. Right. You know, and we also have situations where, you know, asking maybe a teenager, you know, hey, are you, you know, because you want to know if teenagers are being sexually active and making sure that they're taking care of themselves. 
But assuming that teenager has an opposite sex partner, especially in a t small town where you know that kid's parents and the kid's going to be afraid to say anything because you might run and tell mom and dad, how do you communicate that information in a sensitive manner? Right. And then you, you, you kind of touched on that is also the um, keeping that quiet by law. You know, oh, absolutely. And not, and not telling the parents. Yep. Um, and HIPAA in rural communities is very difficult because everybody knows everybody. You know, we have conversations about, you know, what do you do when your aunt, your neighbor, your Sunday school teacher, and your fourth grade school principal and the person in exam number three are the same person? Right. Because that happens. That absolutely happens. You know, how do you make sure that you're not assuming that, you know, so-and-so's, you know, neighbor is, is involved with the person that you think they're involved with or, or whatever else? You know, how do you maintain that confidentiality? How do you make sure all of the staff are maintaining that confidentiality? Right. And not only within, within the office community the office setting itself but outside the office setting oh especially outside the office setting you know because if they take what was said in confidentiality in the office outside into the community they've already violated hipaa absolutely and they don't real they may not realize it when they do that you know that gossip channel um, it is very short in rural America. <laughs> yes, it is. It's an all-access channel. Oh yeah, and and it's like the the party telephones back in the day. <laughs> Everybody can listen in on the conversation. Oh yes, they do. Uh, so anyway, we have a couple of minutes left. Um, do you want to give out a little uh, contact information? Oh, absolutely. So I would first of all encourage everyone to check out our podcast, which is the Rural Health Voice, which looks at health and healthcare issues in rural Virginia and for rural America in general. And if folks are interested in learning more about the Virginia Rural Health Association, I would encourage you to go to brha.org. Wonderful. And I'm going to end the recording here. Listener support is much appreciated. Donate as little or as much as you like. Thank you again for tuning in to the LGBTQ News and Chat podcast. Talk to you soon.